Hey, Shavua Tov. Good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamed Hey. I thought we'd go from the Mishnah towards the bottom of Lamed Dalet Amud Beis 34b, because anyway, like it's really in the middle of the sugya. Um, yeah, oh, and today's shir is Lilunishmas Ben Sion Ben Zev Avram Halevi. May his memory be a blessing. Okay, so the Mishnah says as follows. Remember, we've been discussing Eruv Tchumin. That is, if you want to travel. You, you're not allowed to travel 2,000 Amos outside of your Mokom Shvisa, your Shabbos zone, what's considered your, you can call it your house, your residence for that Shabbos. But, so what happens if, let's say, you're on one city and you want to get to another city that's 4,000 Amos away. So you set up an Eruv. That's an Eruv Tchumin, but what we call an Eruv. You, the one way we've been discussing is you set up a meal there. But one of the main requirements, as we've seen, at least to a degree, you have to be able to eat that meal, and that meal has to be accessible. Up to, um, interesting, we've seen some ways that it would not be accessible because of halachic requirements. Ah, it's in a Rishus HaRabim, and you're in a Rishus HaYochid, or, or vice versa. But now we're going to go on to a practical um, interpreter, a, a, a practical requirement of it has to be accessible. So he says, Nosnum B'migdal, what happens if you placed your Eruv in a cupboard, V'ovar HaMavteach, and you lost the key? So the first Tanakama says, Hareza Eruv, it's still an Eruv, Rabbi Eliezer, Oimer, Rabbi Eliezer says, Im Eino Yodeh Shemavteach Bimkoma, if you do not know that the key is in its place, Eino Eruv, it is not an Eruv. We're going from the Mishnah on Lama Dalet Amud Beis, Towards the bottom. And just interesting, they point out. So again, if you lost, you had your Eruv in a cupboard and you lost the key. Is it still a good Eruv? So the Tanakama says it is. And Rebbe Lezer says, he uses an interesting language. He says, if you do not know that the key is in its place, it's not an Eruv. I, what, is, what does it mean if you do not know the key is in its place? It should say if you don't know where the key is or you lost the key. So some of the Rishonim point out that if you know you put it somewhere safe, you've just forgotten it. Um, I'm sure that happens all the time. Like, I remember, I know I put it somewhere safe because I didn't want to lose it or I wanted to remember where I put it, but I forgot where I put it. So you know that it's somewhere safe. You just can't recall where it is. Maybe that is still a good Eruv because the, the Mavteach is Bimkomo in its place. If it's lost, you don't know where you put it or you might have dropped it. Okay, then it's not a good Eruv. Now the Gemara, now to us it makes a lot of sense why Rebbe Lezer makes a lot of sense. Because if you've lost the key, the Eruv is inaccessible. But the Gemara asks, why, my? why should the Tanakhama say it's a good Eruv? He's in one place and the Eruv is in another place. So the Gemara answers, he says, We're actually going to have three answers. One of them will be rejected. But this is Rav and Shmuel answered to Omri Tamai, both of them says, We're dealing with a cupboard of bricks. And the Gemara will flesh out the exact case, but basically, it's not a wooden cupboard or something like that, it's a brick cupboard, and the bricks aren't built. They, they aren't cemented together, they're just stacked up. So therefore, it's very easily accessible, and when you break it open, you can break it open. And breaking it open is not considered demolishing. That's the important point, because remember, generally, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to break something on Shabbos. But here, these bricks aren't cemented together, so to break it isn't really breaking it. That's the opinion. Now we're just going to cl- clarify these points. If your foods 
in one of these sort of cupboards, you can open it and take your food out. The Tanan, as we learned in the Mishnah, What happens if you have a, literally a house, but it would be the same thing, this cupboard that's completely sealed with these bricks. It's built up all around. There's no way to access the food. And some of it breaks open on Shabbos. Let's say the wind or something knocks some of it down. You can take from where the opening is. Rabbi Meir says, No, you can open it. You open it and take it. I. He, the Tanakamas of this Bryce says you cannot open this structure. That would be demolishing. But if it's demolished, you can access the food. And Rebbe Meir says, no, you can actually open it. And that's our Tana. You can open this wooden cupboard, this brick cupboard, this cupboard that was built out of bricks. And your Arabs inside, you lost the key to the door or to the padlock. But you can just pull some of the bricks out and it's not considered demolishing. That's the case we're discussing. Now, I don't want to go into it, but Rashi, um, Rashi and Tosis both point out we run into um, that is partially a discussion on Mukta now because food that's inaccessible before and is now accessible in the middle because you broke it open, etc. That's a bit of a discussion on Muktza. But let's go on. The Gemara just says, Oh, but in that Brysa, it's where the bricks are put together with air. Oh, there's no cement. He says, Hachanami Delivni. He says, Yeah, so to here, it's where it's built with air. It's bricks and air as opposed to bricks and cement. But again, because then it's not stira, it's not soyser, it's not demolishing. Again, remember, you're not allowed to build or demolish. And therefore, that would be the case here. It says, oh, but Rabbi Zaira said this leniency to break it open is only on Yom Tov, but not on Shabbos. So Gomorrah says, Hachanami Yom Tov. So to our mission is only on Yom Tov. Now, before we go on the question, very interestingly, so we've said an interesting or kimta, interesting way of learning our Mishnah. When the Tanakhama come along and say, you can break open this cupboard, this brick cupboard that's not cemented together you can break it up we're specifically talking about on Yom Tov and therefore that's why your Eruv is still a good Eruv but on Shabbos you would not be allowed to break it open and therefore your Eruv they would agree with Rabbi Lezer that it's not a good Eruv so the Gemara says um, so the Gemara says oh yeah huh? pardon Basil yeah so remember Eruv Tchumim applies on Yom Tov and Shabbos you can't go more than 2000 Amos on Yom Tov. The other, a regular Eruv of carrying, well, you're allowed to carry on Yom Tov. We'll see that, we'll touch on that now. You're allowed to carry on Yom Tov, you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos. So a regular Eruv Chatzairus, etc., you don't need on Yom Tov. But a Eruv Tchumim, you want to go hear the Rabbi's Joshua at the next town, and it's more than 2,000 Amos away, you're going to have to set up an Eruv. Um, so Moe says, oh, wait, but we have a corresponding or a, a price that elaborates on it. And it says, What about what was taught on it? Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, Imbeir, Ovad. If you lost it in the city, Eruva, Eruv, it's still a valid Eruv. The Imbe, or Ovad. But if you lost it in the field, Ain, Eruva, Eruv, it's not a good Eruv. I, why? If you lost the key in the city, we're going to see, you can act, you can get the key. When you find the key, you can get it to the Eruv. If it's in the city, there'll be a way. We'll discuss that shortly. But if you lost it in the field, you can't carry it. It's Rishul Sarabim. 
But he says, Vi Yomtov Mali Ir Mali Sare. If we're discussing Yomtov, what difference does it make whether you lost the key in the city or you lost the key in the field? In both cases, you lost um, you can carry the key. It's Yomtov. So how can you come along and tell me that we're discussing Yomtov? It actually doesn't fit because Rebileza makes a distinction whether it's in the field or the city. So just before we answer that, Rashi points out we have you know, I'm actually going to leave that Rashi. Let's carry on. So he answers as follows. He says, This price is missing a piece, and this is how you have to learn it. And now we'll get a lot of information um, on this case that will make it, make it a lot more understandable. He says, You put your Erev in a cupboard, and you locked it. And you lost the key. It's still a valid Erev. When is this? The Yom Tov, only on Yom Tov. Alba Shabbos ain't Eruv Eruv. On Shabbos it is not a good Eruv. That's as we said, because this cupboard of bricks that are not cemented together, on Yom Tov you're allowed to dismantle it, but on Shabbos you are not allowed to. Then we carry on. So that's why on Yom Tov it's a good Eruv, on Shabbos it's not. Nimtza Hamafdech. What happens if on Shabbos you find the key? Whether in the city or whether in the field, it is not a good Eruv. Because you still can't carry the key to open the Eruv. Remember, the Eruv in one place and the key in another place. On Shabbos, how are you going to get the key to the Eruv? However, Rabbi Eliezer, In the city, his Eruv is a good Eruv, but in the field, it is not a good Eruv. Now it explains, he says, Rebbe Lezer holds in the city, it is a good Eruv, Rebbe Shimon, like Rebbe Shimon holds. The Omar, Rebbe Shimon says, These areas that people hardly use, like a roof, a chotzer, or a karfeif, that are said, what not, sorry, not hard to use, that are semi-private, semi-public, or you are rarely used, they have one status. So if you're in a city, you can actually get quite far. Because how do you get a key from one place to the other? You go through the karfeif, if it's in the karfeif at the start of, it says, there are one rishus for kalim that started Shabbos in there. So let's say you lost your key in the chotzer. Now you need to get it to where the Eruv is much further and it's in, the Eruv is in the city. It's fine because you can take it over the roofs, through the carfage, through the courtyards and you'll have a way of getting it there. So therefore it's a good Eruv. And then it just says, Many take out that line so I'm not going to explain it. So just in summary, the way we've learned, very interestingly, Amishtha came along and said if you locked your Eruv in a cupboard... It is a good Eruv, and Rabbi Lezer says it's not a good Eruv. So firstly, we've had to say that we're discussing a brick cupboard that's not built up. And therefore, according to the Tanakama, on Yom Tov, you're allowed to dismantle it to get to your food. Remember, on Yom Tov, we're always going to be more lenient with doing Melacha for food, because that's the general heter, is you're allowed to do things, you're allowed to cook for food, you're allowed to carry for food. All the heterim on Yom Tov are for food, so we're going to be more lenient, and we're going to allow you to break open this cupboard, or basically pull out the bricks, to get to your Eruv. So therefore, on Yom Tov, your Eruv is still a good Eruv. Um, 
Rabbi Eliezer would hold. It's um, sorry, one second. Rabbi Eliezer would hold even on Shabbos. It's a good eruv, as long as you lost the key in the city, because then he holds like Rabbi Shimon that you can have you have a way to get the key there. You carry it via the roofs and the courtyards and the carfates and you're, they're all considered one rishu, so you can carry from one to the other so you can get the key there but if it's in the field then you would not be allowed to okay now we go on to a second way of explaining the Mishnah so up until here we explained the Mishnah was dealing with this brick um, brick structure which the Tanakama had no problem with you breaking open so actually you don't really need the key Sorry, sorry, according to the Tanakama, it doesn't matter whether you have the key or not because you can break it open. According to Rebeleza, you need the key. And therefore, it makes a difference whether the key is in the city, where you can get it to, if you found the key in the city, or whether you find the key in the field and you can't get it to your Eruv. Okay, now a second answer. Here we're dealing with a wooden cupboard. Now, the mar sovar klihu ve'ain binyan bekelim ve'ain stira bekelim umar sovar ohelhu, and the one opinion holds that granted this is a large wooden cupboard, there's no issue of building or demolishing a kli, a utensil. The issue of building and demolishing is only regarding structures, houses, tents, ohel, etc. Now, before we go on, there are a few important principles to discuss here. Firstly, one, I don't want to go into the halacha, but there's a machlokes. When do we say there is or is not building ein binyan bekalim ein stir bekalim? That's a machlokes rishonim. Let's keep it simple and say in general we hold that there is not a problem of binyan vestir bekalim. A second important principle is that generally, when throughout Shas, just about always, when we discuss a large kli, i.e. a kli that can hold 40 sayer or more, that's actually considered a structure, a building, and not a kli. But what we're suggesting here, again, this is one way of learning it, but it seems to be Rashi's way of learning, so this is the way I'm going to describe it. Here, what Rabbah and Rav Yosef are suggesting is that the one opinion, now, oh, so let's start back into our Mishnah. We have this large cupboard, can hold 40 sayah. And the Tanakama comes along and says, if your Eruv's locked inside of it, it's still a good Eruv. And Rabbi Eliezer says it's an invalid Eruv. The Tanakama holds it's a valid Eruv because you can break it open. It's a Kli, so there's no Isur to break it open. There's no Isur of demolishing on Shabbos. However, Rabbi Eliezer holds, no, it's large, therefore it is not a Kli. And therefore you would not be allowed to, it's a, it's a structure, and you're not allowed to demolish it on Shabbos. And that's why your Eruv is Invalid. And they're actually arguing in the same the same machlokes as we find elsewhere. The tznan as we learned in a brisa, in a mishnah. Now this mishnah, before we go into the mishnah, we need to introduce some a, a few further points. The, the, um, remember a zav, if he just moves something, it's called the heset of the zav. If he just moves something, he makes a tome. So with that in mind, he says. If a zav knocks or hits on a large box, it could be a cupboard, a carriage, etc. The zav knocks on a large box. 
the box is Tomei. Rabbi Nechemia and Rabbi Shimon Matari and Rabbi Nechemia and Rabbi Shimon say it is Tahar. My love, Baha'u Kemifliki and Masbi, they are arguing in the following. Marsovar Klihu, Marsovar Ohelhu. The one opinion holds it's a Kli and the other opinion holds it's a Ohel. Uh, again, the Zav moves this Kli, as we said, when the Zav moves something, he makes a Tomei. If, if it's considered a Kli, then it becomes Tomei. If it's considered a structure, an Ohel or a house or a building, then it would not become Tomei, because buildings and houses and things do not become Tomei. So that's the same as of our Mishnah. Is this large cupboard that you locked your Eruv in, that your Eruv is locked in, can you break it? Is it a Kli or is it a Binyan? So it says, Omar Abaya Vitzizbara. Abaya says that doesn't make any sense. I, he's going to show, what Abai is going to show is that this halacha of a Zav moving something makes no difference whether it's a Kli, a vessel, or a structure. He says, If you have a tent and the Zav moves it, a structure and the Zav moves it, it becomes Tomei. If it's a Kli, but the Zav can't move it, it's a car. The Zav can't move the car. It's too heavy. Then, Tahor. Ketani Sefer, but we learned in the Sefer, if they do move it, it becomes Tomei. So Zeaklal, this is the general principle. Nisad Machmas Koicha. Yeah. So before um, Nich, yeah, before we go on, what do we see? This is just to tie it into our case. It's got nothing to do with whether the Zav, whether it's a structure or not. It's got to do with whether the Zav moves it or not. So again, Rabbi Rav Yosef wanted to suggest this that our Mishnah has a machloek is whether you can get is the Eruv locked in a wooden cupboard accessible or not. So it depends. Do you view it as a cupboard or do you view, do you view it as a kli? A house, a, a, a utensil that it can, and then they, then you can break it open because there's no nothing wrong with demolishing a Cleon Shabbos, or do you view it as a structure and therefore you can't? So what do we see? We see they can't pin it on this brisa because according to this brisa, it's actually got this that they wanted to bring a proof by a zav that some is something a kli or not when it's large. That actually got nothing to do with it. It's really whether the Zav moves it. And that's what we, the Bryce ends off. Zeh cloud. Nisan machmas koicha tomei machmas rado tohor. If he moves it, if he moves something with his fourth eye, he goes and uses his energy. He pushes something and he moves it. It becomes tomei. Machmas rado, but if he moves it through his vibrations, then it would be tohor. Rashi explains how do you move something through its vibrations. So it's on, let's say, softish ground and you jump next to it. And the jumping causes it to shake. Is that considered that that would be tar? So Ella Omarabaya de Kuliama Hesit Mahmas Koicha Tome Mahmas Rada Tahar. So this price, this is how you would have to understand it. If a Zav moves something with his force and he pushes something, he picks it up, etc., then it becomes Tome. If it's through it's his vibrations, he jumps next to it, then it would be Tahar. And here, if he just shakes it, he just causes it to vibrate. What's the halacha? And this is what they're arguing. Is it considered moving or is it not considered moving? I, this would make a lot of sense with the car. Again, when a Zav tries to move the car, he can't move it. All he can do is cause it to shake a little. If he pushes on the car very hard, he's not going to move it, he's going to cause it to shake a little. Does that shaking 
Is that shaking make it tome or not? That's the machloikas in the brisa, but again, nothing to do with whether a large kli is called a kli or a binyan. So, so how would you learn the Mishnah? Again, how it seems we want to learn the Mishnah as a wooden cupboard. So let's just picture this in your mind. Not a built-in cupboard because that's totally a different discussion. You've got a large wooden cupboard. Okay. Now this large wooden cupboard, the Tanakamal Kamal, and your Eruv is locked inside. It was padlocked and you lost the key to the padlock. So according to the Tanakama, it's a good Eruv. And according to Rebbe Eliezer, it's an invalid Eruv. So Abai Omri, the Omri Tavayu, Abai and Rav both explain the middle of the Kotu Bamasna Skinan. It's where it was tied with the rope and padlocked and locked. Either the rope's part of the locking thing. Well, boys are kinele mifseke and you need a knife to cut it. Tanakamas of our law, Karebi Yosi Domer, Kolakalim, Nitlim Beshabas, Chutzmi Mesara God of Yesit Shamachresha. The Tanakama holds regarding Mukta. You can use anything on Shabbos except for Mukta Mahmas Kesron Kis, for example, a large saw that the guy would not want damaged, or the carpenter's peg, something he's very particular about, but anything else can be moved. Aye, so what's happened? You've got this, um, this cupboard that's closed with this lock and rope, and you could open it if you took a knife. So the Tanakama hold, the knife's not Mukta, so you go pick it up and you cut the packet open. You cut the cupboard open and your Eruv's accessible. So your Eruv is accessible. Rebbe Lezer, Sovalok Rebbe Nechemia. Rebbe Lezer holds like Rebbe Nechemia. Do Omar, Afilu Talis, Afilu Tarvat, Ein Nitlin, Ele Letzarech, Tashmish. Even a garment, even a ladle, you cannot use except for its purpose. I remember, I don't know if you remember from Masechah Shabbos, but Rebbe Nechemia was very, very strict regarding Mukta. He held... Um, Rabbi Nechemia hold that, held that every single thing is mutta, except if you're going to use it for its purpose. So what's the purpose of a naf? Rashi explains this naf is for food, meat, bread, etc. So to use it to cut rope would be mutta. Um, a ladle is to scoop up spoon, uh, soup. If you want to use the ladle to, I don't know, um, clean dust into it, it would be mukta. You only allow it. So that's why, according to Rabbi Lezer, who passed like Rabbi Nechemia, to use a knife to cut open this cupboard, to cut the rope tying this cupboard closed, would be mukta. Whereas, according to the Tanakama, it's you can use the knife. It's not mukta. Okay. Next Mishnah. Niskalgal chutz What happens if the eruv rolled outside of the tchum? So remember, the eruv has to be just within two thousand amos. So let's just say from the edge of the city you measure 1,199 amos and you put your Eruv there. Now that's your Mopam Shvisa, that's your Shabbos zone, so you could work and walk another 2,000 amos. What happens if the Eruv rolls past the 2,000 amos? Right, so you put it there and then a gust of wind blew it past the 2,000 amos or something. Or Nofololov Gal, a pile of stones landed on it. Uh, uh, at the wall next to it collapsed on it. Or in Nisraf, or the Eruv got burnt. Truma Venitmas, or the Eruv was Truma and it became Tomei. Remember, Tomei Truma is not edible to anyone, not a Kai nor a regular Jew. So Mibba Odyom, if this happened while it was still Friday, Eino Eruv, it's not an Eruv. Mishachashechifet happened while it was dark. Karezi Eruv, this is a good Eruv. Im Sofek, what happens if you're not sure when it happened? I, you put your Eruv there, Erev Shabbos. You went back home. And now, 
you come back Shabbos morning and you see that your Erev, or Friday, late Friday night, you come back and you see your Erev's been burnt, or it became Tomei, or it rolled out of zone. You're in doubt. How do you view it? So Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Yudah, Oymrim HaRezeh, This is like someone who's trying to lead a camel and a donkey. Ah, you go strict. I'll explain that shortly. Rebbe Yosef, Rebbe Shimon, Oymrim Sofek, Erev Kosher. Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon say a Sofek Erev is kosher. Are you not sure? Did it roll? Did it get burnt before Shabbos? Or was it burnt after Shabbos? Did it become Tomei before Shabbos or after Shabbos? You can go lenient and treat it as a good Erev. Omer Rabbi Yossi have tumos heyud mishum chamisha zekainim in Sofek Erev kosher. Al Sofek Erev she kosher. Rabbi Yossi have tumos testified Rabbi um Rabbi Yossi said that Abtumus testified in the name of five elders that a Sofek Eruv is kosher. Okay, so again, just all these cases are that you had a good Eruv, you set up a good Eruv, and something happened to it that invalidated the Eruv. Again, obviously if it became invalid as an Eruv, it became inedible, it got burnt, a huge pile of stones fell on it, it was true and it became Tomei, no one can eat it anymore, it became inedible, inaccessible, in, unusable as an Eruv, it's an invalid Eruv. If it happens before Shabbos, then definitely. If one Shabbos, it only happened after Shabbos already came in, well then it's a good Eruv. What happens if you're not sure when it's happened? So we brought, Rabbi Yossi just said you can go lenient, you can treat it as a good Eruv, but we brought Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda said, it's a Chamar Gomel, it's like a donkey and a camel. What do you mean like a donkey and a camel? So picture this in your mind. Remember, uh, well, a donkey is, a, a camel is led and a donkey goes in front. So if you have someone who's trying to lead a donkey and a camel, he's stuck in the middle trying to pull this one animal and guard this one animal forward. And he's looking either way. He can't actually go, he can't really focus because he's got to look to either side. That's a camel gomel. What does it mean? Because remember, what does the Eruv do? It sets, when you have your Mokom Shvitzer, your Shambazon, your house, you're allowed 2,000 Amos in any direction. What happens when you set up your Eruv 2,000 Amos to the east? Now, your new resting zone on Shabbos, your new Shabbos zone is that 2,000 Amos to the east. So what you can actually do on Shabbos, you can't go anywhere to the west. Because where you're currently staying is already 2,000 Amos west of your Eruv. But you could go another 2,000 Amos. You could go 4,000 Amos to the east. You can carry on. So when you're not sure whether this is a good Eruv or not, you can't go any further west because it's 2,000 Amos away. And you can't go past your Eruv because that would be past 2,000 Amos where you currently are. So you're stuck. You're actually really, you've limited, you go strict and you're limited from your place. So again, remember, you're not sure if this, this, the station on the east, on your west where you started Shabbos is your Mokom Shvisa, or you're not sure whether the station on the east is your Mokom Shvisa, you can actually only go between them. You can't go past the east one in case the west one is your actual Mokom Shvisa, and you can't go past the west one to the west because Maybe the east one is your Mokom Shvitsa. Okay, now the Gemara. Let's start the Gemara. So the Gemara says, If it rolled out of the Tchum, This has to be further than four Amos outside of the Tchum. If it's within four Amos of the Tchum, Where you set your Erev, you have four Amos. 
So I actually, you don't let, when you set up your Eruv, you have four Amos around that area. So as long as where the Eruv is, is within four Amos of the Trum, you can go to the end of the Trum, and then you're in the Dalet Amos of your Eruv, so you can get your Eruv, so it would be no problem. Then we said, not for a lot of Gal. I'll have a minute is if you want, you could access the gal. You just move so a well a wall fell on your a roof. What do you do? You just throw some bricks. Now what's the problem with moving the bricks on Shabbos? They're mukta. The stones that fell on the Eruv are mukta. So he says, Labor man isn't the like Rebbe, the Ike Rebbe. This doesn't seem to fit in like Rebbe who holds her armor called Dover Shehumi Shum Shfus, like Osrolov, Banash Moshos. Anything that is also because of a Shfus, there's no decree on it, Banash Moshos. Remember, we've seen this principle before. When do the Israel Rabbonin on Shabbos kick in? Is it at the start of Shabbos or is it only after Banash Moshos? Rebbe holds they only kick in after Banash Moshos. So he would hold that if you had a pile of stones on top of the Eruv, Again, stones are mukta, but mukta is only drabonan. So that wouldn't be a problem. So Al Mishnah, which says that if you have a pile of stones on top of the Eruv, is a problem. It's clearly not like Rebbe. He says, no, no, it's where you need a spade and a pick to get to it. I, for whatever reason, that this was a big wall and you're going to need to dig, which is boine or chayresh, and therefore it would be a isu doraisa, so everyone would agree. Okay, and then it says, Vitricha, why do we need the both case of a of where the Eruv rolled outside of the Trub or where the Gal fell on it. It's teaching us the same thing, that if you can't access your Eruv, it's an invalid Eruv. So he says, Maybe because if it rolled out of the Trub, it's not by you. But if the well, the, wall, the pile of stones fell on it, the Isia Gabe, it's right there. You just can't get to it. So maybe it's a good Eruv. That's because it's, because it's covered. Aval this galgal, but if it rolled on a zimdi the icy ziko maisile, maybe because if it just rolled out of the trum, it could get blown back into the trum. Aimala have eruv, so it could be an eruv tshicha. Therefore, we need to teach us that neither are good eruvs. Okay, so um, remember two of the cases in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said if you set up your eruv and it got burnt. Or you set up your Eruv of Truma and it became Tomei, it's an invalid Eruv. So Gemara says, Lamali, why do I need both those cases? So he says, Tana Nisraf had taught the case of burnt, to show us how far Rebiosi goes. I Rebiosi holds a Sophic Eruv. Again, remember, what were, when did we bring in Rebi? We're going to call it Rebi Meir and Rebi Yosi's opinion. Rebi Meir and Rebi Yosi, Rebi Meir said, if you have a Sophic Eruv, you go strict and it doesn't count. And Rebi Yosi said, you goes lenient and it does count. I you set up an Eruv on and you're not sure. You set up the Eruv and you're not sure if it became um, if it got so you set up your Eruv and you're not sure did it burn before Shabbos or did it burn after Shabbos? If it burned before Shabbos, well then you didn't have an Eruv going into Shabbos, so it's invalid. If it burnt after Shabbos, then it's a good Eruv. So that's to show us the power of Rabbi Yossi, even though the Eruv is not in existence. It's been burned. Now again, you're not sure when it got burned, but you can still go lenient and consider it your Eruv. And Tana Truma Vinitmeis, it teaches us Truma that became Tomel to show us how far Rebbe Meir goes. Remember, Rebbe Meir said you go strict. Now this is very important for the coming up sugya. So you have this Truma. That was perfectly good Truma edible to a Kohen. And then you come Shabbos morning and there's a dead Sheretz on it. 
Now you don't know when it became Tomei. Did it become Tomei before Shabbos and it's an invalid Eruv? Or did it become Tomei on Shabbos and it's a valid Eruv? Now Rabbi Meir says you go strict. But there's a very, very strong reason to say you should go lenient. I don't know if you remember, I don't think we've seen this in quite a while, but the concept of a chazaka. If you have something that you know was tohor, like this truma, and at some point it changed to be tomei, you can generally assume it was tohor up until the last possible moment that it was tomei. So why, Rebbe Meir says, you can't even rely on that. So the Gemara is going to analyze this again. Rebbe Meir says, you're not sure whether this truma became tomei before or after Shabbos. You have to go strict. Does Rebbe Meir really hold you go strict when you have a doubt? Says and the Mishnah taught Tomei Shiyored Litvol. You have someone who was Tomei, so they went to the mikvah. Sofei Tovel Loi Sof They forgot whether they actually went to mikvah or not, or they went to mikvah but they forgot whether they left a chatzitza on or not. Vafilu Tovel Sofei Tovel Ba'arbim. Vafilu Tovel. Or they know a hundred percent they went into mikvah, but Sofei Tovel Ba'arbim says Sofei Loi Tovel Ba'arbim says. But they're not sure whether the mikvah was full or not. Did it have forty sayer or not? So he went, there were two mikvahs there. One had 40 saya, one did not have 40 saya, and he's not sure which one he went into. Sveika Tome, out of doubt he's Tome. So again, you had this Tome person, he went to mikvah, and he's actually not sure whether he went to mikvah, or whether it was a valid mikvah, or whether the mikveh he went into was the kosher mikveh, out of doubt we say it's When is this where he was Tomei Doraisa? Aval betumakala, but if he was only Tomei Durabonin, and it just gives a few examples of Tomei Durabonin, not going to go into them in too much detail, but it says, for example, betumakala, kagonche ochel ochlin temeim veshosa mashkin temeim. He ate or he drank food that was Tomei. Remember, food can't make a person Tomei. Food can only be a Rishon, and a person can only become Tomei from an Av. So food cannot make a person Tomei, but the rabbi said if a person eats or drinks a certain amount of Tuma food or drink, he becomes Tomei. Bahava, um, um, he goes into uh, basically mikvahs in drawn water. I not a kosher mikvah. He pours on his head. Again, those are all cases where he's tomei derabonin. But you're at and then he goes to the mikvah. Now sofak tavol loy sofak or sofak loy tavol. He's not sure whether he actually went into the mikvah. He forgot. Now filu tavol, but he did, or he went to mikvah. The sofak tavol ba'arim sale. Sofak loy tavol ba'arim sale. Not sure whether the mikvah was full when he went into it. Or, there were two mikvahs, one had 40 sand, one did not have 40 sand. And he went to mikvah in one of them. And he doesn't know which one he went into. Out of doubt, he is Tahar. And Rabbi Yossi, Matame, Rabbi Yossi says he's Tomei. But the important point for us is as follows Rabbi May and Al Mishnah said, we have this truma. We're not sure when it became Tomei before or after Shabbos. Oh, sorry, before or on Shabbos. Aye, is it a valid Eruv because it was Tahar and only became Tomei on Shabbos? Or is it an invalid Eruv because it became Tomei before Shabbos? Rabbi Meir said you go strict. In this Bryce, in this teaching, 
He said, if it's an Isu Durabonan, you go lenient and you say it's Tahor. Now remember, an Eruv is always Durabonan. So why does Rebbe Meir say you go lenient? So the Gemara answers, Kha Sava Rebbe Meir, Tchumim Doraisa. Now Rebbe Meir holds that a Tchumim Doraisa. Tchumim Doraisa. We've actually, ta- we haven't really explained this before, but there's a Machloikes to know this that you're not allowed to walk 2,000 Amos outside of your Tchum on Shabbos. Is that a Durabonan law or a Doraisa law? And Rabbi Akiva, who's actually one of Rabbi Meir's teachers, holds that it's Doraisa. So it makes sense. Rabbi Meir would hold that Tchum is also Doraisa. So again, when you're in doubt in a Doraisa law, what would you do? You'd go strict like Rabbi Meir says. Oh, but Sober Rabbi Meir, Tchumim Doraisa. Does Rabbi Meir really hold that Tchumim are also Doraisa? Behold, now we learned in the Mishnah, Im Ein Yochel Avli or Bazu, if you're not... Oh, before we go on, how do you measure those 2,000 Amos? So it's very interesting. Later on, we're going to see is you take a rope 50 amos long and you get two people, one to stand on each end and they basically move along and they check. How does that help? Because any incline or depression in the land would generally, if you are measuring along the land, it would be much closer together. If you're using this rope to basically cancel out all depressions and, and uh, uh, what would you um, Um, inclines and depressions, you actually get much further. So you're allowed to use this rope. So it says, so that's what he says. What happens in Ainyochalavliya? What happens if it's too large to use this rope? So there's a hill in the way, and now this hill is much larger than if you go 50 amos, it's not going to go over the hill and measure it flat. It's going to measure it up the hill and down the hill, which is shorter. So he says, in Ainyochalavliya, if you're not able to swallow it, to swallow it in this rope, I cancel out the incline of the depression. This is what Rebbe Dustai said, uh, by Rebbe Yana, I said in the name of Rebbe Meir. You can view it as if there's a tunnel going through the mountain. I again, you don't have to count the incline as Amos and the other side of the hill as Amos. You can view it as if it goes straight through. And again, you get much further in 2,000 Amos. It says, If Tchumim are Doraisa, would you be allowed to view it as if there's a tunnel going straight through this mountain? Nachman said in the name of Rabbi Baravua, In these Doraisa laws of Orein Miklat and Eglarufa, you're not allowed to um, and you're not allowed to view it as if you're piercing through the mountains. Because they do a law. Just quickly, what does it mean, Makadrin? Um, so again, Makadrin is you have this, you want to measure 2,000 Amos from where you are to the Shabbos boundary, to the Trum. If you use a heel, if you view a heel, you're going to end up with a much closer area, much shorter distance, because the incline and the decline add in more Amos, so the Eruv is going to be shorter. If you can view it as if you're going straight through the hill, then you end up with a much bigger um, incline. So, um, with, with a much bigger area. But for Doraisa laws, for example, the Eglarufa, remember the, the elders of the city have to measure whose city's clo- who's closer to the corpse. Which city is closer to the corpse. 
or by uh, Ore Miklat. Remember, someone who kills by mistake has to flee to the Ore Miklat. Someone who, who goes by mistake has to flee to the Ore Miklat. As long as he's within the boundaries of the Ore Miklat, within the 2,000 Amos of the Ore Miklat, the, the Goyal Adam, the people who want to avenge him, can't kill him. How do you measure those? So you don't view it as if it's going straight through the hill. You have to measure the actual distance. So it's much, in reality, it's much shorter than, what's it, as the crow flies. Basically, yeah, I guess that, that would be the way to phrase it. When it's the Rabbonin, you measure as the crow flies, which gets you much further. When it's Doraisa, you have to actually measure the length of the land, which is much closer. But Rebbe Meir brought this opinion that you can do Makadrin, you, Makadrin, with the shell, with the Durabonin, but not Shel Torah. And he says, Rebbe Meir, this is Rebbe Dustai, in the name of Rebbe Meir, I heard that you can Makadrin with the Eruv Tchumin. We see that the Eruv Tchum must be Durabonin. Yeah. So, lo kasha, ho didei, ho No difficulty. Here is his Rebbe's opinion, and this is his opinion. I, he holds Tchumim Adoraisa. His one teacher held that Tchumim Adorabonin. Daikanami Diktani, you can deduce this. Rebbe Meir says, I heard that you can makader with a mountain. I, what does it mean, I heard? I heard from my teachers, but it's not a I hold. Okay, so let's quickly, I think we'll leave it there for today. We'll start the next point. It is on this, but we'll start it tomorrow. But just in summary, it's been a little bit... Quite a lot, a lot of information in this daf. So let's just bring out some of the main points. The first mission we started today's daf with was if you have a eruv locked in a cupboard, the Tanakama say you can access the eruv is still good, and Rebbe um, and Rebbe Eliezer says it's an invalid eruv. The first way we explained it was why should it be. So remember, the key point of the eruv, which would determine is is it accessible or not. If it's accessible, it's a good eruv. If it's inaccessible on Shabbos or Yom Tov, it's a bad Eruv. So the first way we explained it was bricks that were not cemented together, just stacked. So the Tanakama holds, that's not demolishing and it's accessible on Yom Tov. And therefore it's a good Eruv. Whereas Rebilezer holds, it's still considered inaccessible and therefore it would not be a, a, a good Eruv. The second version we learned is the cupboard was tarred closed and you needed a knife to cut the rope to open it. Now, you're allowed to cut the rope on Shabbos. That's not a problem. That's, uh, what, what would you call that? Stirab um, destroying kalim, which is fine. Um, the question is, is the naft mutza? According to the Rabbonin, it's not mutza. As we know, anything you need a naft for, you can use for on Shabbos, as long as it's mutar to do on Shabbos. Whereas Rabbi Eliezer holds that, no, it's mutza, and therefore you can't use it. That was the first Mishnah. The second Mishnah was, if something happens to the Eruv, Again, if the Eruv becomes inedible, it gets burnt. It's truma that becomes Tomei. It's a wall falls on it and you can't access it. If you can't eat your Eruv, it's invalid. Now, obviously, if that happened to the Eruv before Shabbos, well, then you never ever had an Eruv. Because when does the Eruv come into effect? As Shabbos starts. If it happened after Shabbos, so let's say you're... You, you saw on Shabbos your Eruv was 100% good and Shabbos started and it was good truma and then you saw a dead Sheretz fall on it. It's truma that became Tomei but it was already Shabbos. So it's fine. And the question we've been going into is what happens if it's 
um, if you're not sure if it's a sophic. So we'll touch, we'll go more into this tomorrow, but Rebbe Meir said if it's a sophic, you have to go strict. And Rebbe Yossi said if it's a sophic, you can go lenient and consider it an Eruv. We'll leave it there for today.